0: Uh, it's um, a message that comes from the uh, book of Habakkuk and his name means embrace and it can signify a couple of things. The first thing it can signify is that uh, he was embraced by God and strengthened. God strengthened him for the, his difficult task. He had a tough task in front of him and you'll find out why shortly. Or it can mean that he was embracing others and thus encouraging them in a time of national crisis. Now, I want to go back in time for a moment, because whether we realize it or not, we're we're looking back now in time when Habakkuk, let's see, that's 612 BC, and so if we go back and we add 2,023 years to that, Uh, We are almost going back 3,000 years in time. And here we're going to see the prophet prophesying. And actually, we're going to be going through the book, so it's going to slow down a bit. But it's really interesting. But the thing is, the similarities between his day and our day are amazing. Absolutely amazing. So he lived during one of the most critical periods of Judah's time. Now Josiah had been the king of Judah and he made some wonderful reforms. They took down the high places, they restored teachers into the land. But once Josiah was gone, it went to it went to hell just about. Everything everything just turned around and it was a time of turmoil. There was wars going around about them. And it is in this context that we find the prophet looking into his own society. And what this is really about today is his journey through the turmoil of his age to get past that and see into the, the future and recognize that the eternal things are far greater than the natural things that we see. And sometimes we just have our eyes fixed on what's happening now and we don't look to the future. So let's talk about his ministry. So there's somewhere between 612 BC and it was prior to the fall of Jerusalem. Remember Josiah invited the Babylonians in to see the wealth and that wound up uh, making them a target for Babylon. The world was in a mess in the Middle East. Can you believe that, that the Middle East was a mess 2,000, (laughs) almost 3,000 years ago? Kind of crazy. But what happened was, during that time, the country had fallen from the height of Josiah's reforms to the depths of violence, the violent treatment of its citizens, the oppressive measures against the poor, the collapse of the legal system, in addition to that the world around Judah as was at war the Babylonians were ascending the Assyrians were going down the Egyptians going down and so all of this was moving in and coming in on Judah which was going to be next in line for their destruction but people they just kept going their way doing their thing so when a culture takes such a downward turn or a path, God calls his prophets, or in our case, he calls his people. Why? Because there's a righteous seed that he always has in each and every generation. And he calls us to be counterculture. He calls us to be a witness for him in spite of all of the things that might be you know, happening around us. Uh, we were just talking about this in uh, in our previous Bible study this morning, and uh, one of the guys there, well, Whalen, who who conducts it, said that um, he had ordered some pins, and uh, I'm going to get myself a Star David, and I'm going to wear that. Now, I'm not, I'm not a I'm not a Jew, but I will tell you what, enough's enough. this is what we're saying today is intolerable. And you got to take a stand someplace. Well, won't that make you a target? I don't care. That's not important. What's important is that we stand for what is right. So the prophet, Habakkuk, He's imbued with a sense of justice. In other words, he's seeing what's happening, and it's burning in him. And he just wants to change things. He can't take it anymore. And he's calling out to God, and he wants things to change. But it's not changing. So he continues in his plea to God. But at the same time, he's pointing out what's wrong. And, of course, he's been pointing it out to God also. It's not that he's just proclaiming it in the streets, but he is pointing it out to God. So he, as he's going through this, and his heart being torn apart here, he also learned the necessity to uh, ask, to ask and bring some major questions of life. Why does this happen? Why are we going through this? So he goes to the redeemer of heaven. He goes to God. He figures the only one that has the answer, and this is the truth, it's the same today, is God. He knows. We don't know. We're just seeing what's happening around us, and we kind of go our merry way, and little things have been happening there over the last 40 years, and this has been happening that's 50 years. Small things but suddenly they begin to culminate. They come all together because the devil has a plan to destroy us. And so we kind of are happy. We sing in church. And that, by the way, that's great. I just enjoy being with you here today so much, singing and praising God. So a question he asked, and it's a question I've heard too often and probably ask myself often enough, God, why has this happened? Why, why are you letting the things that happen here in the, in the world happen? You can change this in, in a moment. So why, why is it the way it is? Why, why go through the struggles? Why, why see the poverty? Why see the violence? Why see the brutality? Why see all of these terrible things happening and happening to the righteous? as well as the unrighteous. So the book of Habakkuk, as I said, gives the account of the prophet's spiritual journey. That's the journey we're on. I mentioned it before, but I'll say it again. We're on it together. We we have to go through what we're in in this society. We We can't just go out there, and I wish we could just go out and change it. But what we see now, it's like, Years ago, I used to hang out with some, by, just by chance with this, a particular a group of people. Some of them were Hungarian refugees that had come over from Hungary during the uh, revolution over there many years ago. And these guys, they'd get together, and I would talk, and they solved all the problems of the world. They liked to talk politics. They liked to talk solutions. I remember one, one solution there, he thought that, you know what, Canada's economy wasn't too good. So he said, all that we have to do is the United States needs to annex Canada. I mean, just, you know, crazy stuff like that, That you know, and then we're going to solve all of the world's problems. We're not going to do that. So where are we? Where, where, are we, where we are right now, we're here. So again, as we look at the book of Habakkuk, we find that from his opening of this, of this uh, book to the close of the book, there's a vast difference. It's huge. Let me just uh, see if I can give you uh, a lesson. I want to take up my glasses on for a second, folks. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I need them, but let's not mess around here. Okay, Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 1. How long the oracle which Habakkuk the prophet saw. So he has a vision from God. And he says, How long, O Lord, will I call for help, and you will not hear? I cry out, violence, yet you do not save. Why do you make me see iniquity and cause me to look on wickedness? Yes, destruction and violence are before me, Strife exists and contention arises. Therefore, the law is ignored and justice never upheld. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. Does that sound familiar to you, folks? We have two justice systems that have emerged here in the country today. They got one for conservatives and one for, for, we'll call them, I don't want to call them liberals. They're, they're way beyond liberals for, for humanists the, the, who believe they're God and in charge of this world. And, you know, what, uh, we, we have a Chinese lab that's just discovered in California that the Chinese actually have a lab out there. And meanwhile, our FBI is doing what? Chasing moms who are protesting in school board meetings? I mean, what is this about? So, okay, we're talking about it, and some people are doing something about it, but I'm not in the position that I can change that, are you? Well, if are you? You know, the the thing you have to realize is we can only do what we can do, and that's what we want to talk about here today, really, what it comes down to. So the prophet's focus is on the circumstances that surround him. All he sees is evil, and God has not shown up. He begins to believe that God has forsaken his people, that God is not on the scene anymore. I can remember this back in the 60s, the God is dead movement. How many of you remember that? That was, a, you know, following Nietzsche, God is dead. And so we're out there, and God's not on the scene anymore. It's not that he doesn't exist. He just doesn't care. We're on our own, and that's why everything's going to pot. And that's kind of how it was. And he believes that, in a sense, God has forgotten His covenant with Abraham. In other words, God, you know, you, you gave us a promise, but we don't see this promise now. We we see that we're in trouble instead. We're we we're, we're, we're falling apart. So so where is the promise that you have given us? And he's making uh, his uh, his his plea. And the words that describe the scene are, you know, this is the culture: iniquity, trouble, plundering, violence, strife, contention, and the law is powerless. Justice never goes forth. The wicked surround the righteousness that we have just read, and perverse judgment continues. And what we he see here is men are in control. I love love that, you know. They're taking care of themselves at the expense of the working class or the unconnected, you might say, in in this time. And that time was pretty much the same. You had a a ruling class that developed and took advantage of the, of the, the, the people that were not part of them. And Habakkuk raises the question, why? Why is this this way? And it's a necessary question in the prophet's time, and it's a necessary question in our time. We need to ask that question. Why? That's the second time I've hit that point, but I want to do it for a reason. Because see, sometimes we kind of do our thing, and, and it's what we know. It's not that we're evil, it's not that we're foolish, it's, you know, we, perhaps we're just ignorant. You know, did you know we're all ignorant? I, I know that sounds terrible, but I want you to think about it. If you wanted to come to me for brain surgery, I'm going to tell you right now, you've come to an ignorant person. So ignorance is a, a lack of knowledge in certain things, and, and that's what that is. It's not that you're, you're dumb or you're stupid or you're lazy or anything like that. It's, it's just that you don't know. And sometimes people don't want to know. They take their head and they bury it like an ostrich in the sand. They'd rather not see all of this stuff there. Just come, Lord Jesus, grab me, take me away, that's it. Wouldn't that be good? Well, wouldn't it be good? I think it would be, I think it would be great, but you know, the thing is, it's not going to happen that way. Why? Because you and I are here for a purpose. We're not saved just because God loves us. He certainly does love us, and he certainly did save us, but he had a purpose for us. So let me move on here. Men are in control. So he raised that question, why? What, and I ask this, what has happened to our families, to our churches, to our communities, and to our nation? How did so many things happen get messed so messed up? How did good become evil and evil become good? How did that happen? Where did this come from? Well, you know, it comes from the devil, but how did it get here? Just think about it. I mean, we were here, weren't we? I've been, I've been here for a few years, and I want to tell you that I, I look out and I say, yeah, well, what happened? And I don't think anything was going wrong. In fact, I, I like some of these good old days. And then I look back and I, and I, I realize that somehow we got to the place that we're in, and I don't know how I got there. I got on a streetcar, and I didn't know where it was going. And now I got off in almost a different world, different neighborhood. So and when these questions are answered, they raise other questions, seriously why did this happen then we figure out it happened for this reason and this reason and this reason and we look at at all of these things and then we raise the other question what can i do to change the situation and that's where it gets difficult what can we do to rescue our families and those who are in our sphere of influence that's our job and by the way we can only reach out into our sphere of influence and we can increase that somewhat but that's where we have people who we can touch, who listen to us, and we have, well, we have influence with them. That's what it means. Simply, Paul speaks about that, that he can only minister in his sphere of influence. So, what can we do? The big picture, friends, is overwhelming. You look at this whole thing, you got the world uh, economic forum, a whole bunch of unelected people doing this, you've got wars going on over in uh, in Israel, you got the Palestinians. I mean, just start looking at this. The Russians are coming down into Ukraine. The Ukraine's pushing back. Uh, Europe is coming, getting into turmoil. The Middle East, they're moving down into the middle. I mean, you, oh my goodness. My goodness. How do I solve all of that? I can't. And that's one of the biggest first steps that we have to recognize is what we can do. We ought to recognize what we can't do because all we can do is complain about it, but we can pray. Amen. And we can pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. And that's what we should be doing. But now, what can we do besides pray? And again, it's overwhelming. We need to have a vision, and I want to go back into the book of of uh, Malik, of uh, Habakkuk because uh, we need wisdom to know what things we can control and what we can do with what we can control. You follow me? If if we could see, if we could see the things that we can do. That would make a difference. And we begin to do these things. We begin to change lives. Somewheres along the way. In other words, we may not be changing the whole world. But once we start changing little things. That grows into big things. Just remember how we got here. We didn't see how. Why it was a bunch of little things. That brought us to where we are now. And it can be a bunch of little things. That bring us out of where we are right now. But we have to be concerned about our own families, our own community, especially our spiritual community and our our, our physical community as well. How do we impact that? So the prophet finds his way and in the last three verses, so from the first thing he says, everything is bad, 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 bad. And here's what happens in Habakkuk chapter three. Verse 17, you look at the first four verses, there's no hope. You look at these last verses, though the fig tree should not blossom and though there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold. And there be no cattle in the stalls. I don't find anything really positive in that, to you? But watch. And he goes on to say, Yet I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He has made my feet like hinds feet. And man, that means if you've ever seen a high climb, climbing on these rocks in, in, the, in the wilderness, it's just amazing how they could do that. It looks impossible. And he makes me walk on the high places. And he made that into a song, in fact, for the choir director and, and on the stringed instruments. So he, apparently he was also, a uh, the prophet Habakkuk was a, a musician as well, writer. So what, what do we do? So the prophet has moved from turmoil in the state of the nation and his people, and he's been lifted up to the conclusion of the coming kingdom of God. How did he get there from where he was? See, here's the thing. There's always this situation. I can see ahead to what God wants. But you see, God never gives me a clear path all the way through. Why is that? Have you ever figured that out? Why is it that God just doesn't show us where we're going and just let, let, because what we would do is we'd try to do it ourselves. We'd forget God. So what God does for us as his people, he makes a path for us. He shows us out there. He'll give us a vision. But now how do we get from here to where we're going? Well, We get there step by step, trusting in God. We can't just jump on the plane and zip over into this other world, but we need to walk through the world we're in. We need to make our way there, and we can't make our way alone. God's deliberately designed us that way, but why? Because he's always wanted a people that would love him, that would worship him, follow him that he would be the central figure in the spiritual community and that this people would be about his work, doing his will. And so when we get too much information, we just kind of run with it and say, say no more. Like, well, I got it. And off we go. So Habakkuk. All right. Getting from one place to another. How do we navigate, navigate our journey into a deeper abiding relationship with God, and get through all of this junk that's going on around us right now. And believe me, it's dangerous, it's not junk. Uh, the, the things that we're seeing are not, uh, are not to be taken lightly. In fact, we need to be thinking seriously about what we can do again. So he has questions, Habakkuk, about how long God will tolerate evil. And this is the oracle that he sees. I think we read that before. We have cry out for violence. Why do you make me see iniquity? And why is the law ignored? And then the Lord replies to him. It's kind of interesting. In uh, verse 5. See, God is beyond the scene. Habakkuk just sees the violence. He just sees... Everything that's going wrong. What he doesn't see is that God's on it. God's got it. And God's got it for us too. Well, what does he got? Well, watch here. Here's what God says to him. Look among the nations. Observe. Be astonished. Wonder. Because I'm doing something in your days. You would not believe if you were told. For behold, look and see. Look and see the Chaldeans. I'm raising up the Chaldeans. The fierce, and impetuous people who march through the earth to seize dwelling places which are not theirs. They are dreaded and feared. Their justice and authority originate with themselves. In other words, they're, 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 they're evil. Don't make a mistake here. But God has raised them up. Nevertheless, it's one of the hard things we have to realize sometimes. Why? Because he's going to get his people straightened out. And he goes on. Their horses are swiffer, swifter than leopards and keener than wolves in the evening. Their horsemen come galloping. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like eagle, an eagle swooping down to devour. All of them come for violence. They hoard of, of faces moves forward. They collect captives like sand. They mock at kings, and rulers are laughing matters to them. They laugh at every fortress, and they heap up rubble to capture it. Then they will sweep through like a wind and pass, pass on. But they will be held guilty, they whose strength is their God. In other words, you say, all of this is doing, these people are evil, they're coming in and they're judging, and yet God says, I see what they're doing, they're rejoicing in what they do, and they, too, I will hold judgment on. So they're not going to get away with all of this, just understand that, their day day is going to come. So then uh, Habakkuk replies again to God, he says, "You, you are... And, and this is interesting because so, it so resembles what Abraham's conversation with God in, in Genesis about Sodom and, and how he talks about the nature of God. And he says, You you are not are you not from everlasting? Verse 12, O oh Lord my God, my holy one, we will not die. By the way, there's a promise there, we'll get to that in a moment. You, O oh Lord, have a have appointed them to judge, and you, O rock, have established them to correct. Your eyes are too pure to approve evil, and you cannot look on the wickedness with favor. Why do you look with favor on those who deal treacherously? Why are you not silent? Why are you silent when the wicked swallow up the more righteous than they? Why have you made men like the fish of the sea, like creeping things without a ruler over them? The Chaldeans bring them all up with a hook. They drag them up with their net. They gather them together in their fishing net. Therefore they rejoice and are glad. Therefore they offer sacrifice to their nets and burn incense to their fishing net because through these things they catch their catches large and their food is plentiful. Will they therefore empty their net and continually slay the nation without sparing? So what's his his point? He says, you're almighty God. You You know all of these things. You're in control of this. You see how evil they are. And this is what they're doing. How, are you going to let them do this? Are they going to wipe us all out? When is this going to stop? See, that's the other thing too. When will it stop? Can you imagine being in well, let's say Czechoslovakia or, uh, in the time of World War II and being invaded by the Nazis. Or in Russia and getting part of the, the Nazis. I used to date a, a, Russian, a Russian girl, Valerie Leguinicek, as we're back. She kind of looked like Marilyn Monroe, but that's besides the point. And her mom and her dad, they were in a battle in their house, down. The Germans were on one side, the Russians on the other side. She had a baby. She, whatever food she could get, whatever they found and scraped, she chewed it up and spit it into her mouth in order to feed her and keep her alive during that time. It wasn't easy. And they eventually made it to this country and uh, it, it was, it's, it's quite a story really, but... Uh, There's so many stories like that in in life. So let's move on here with Habakkuk. So again, what we're finding here is that he's trying to make his way through this, and he's looking for God's help, and it doesn't seem to be coming. And he makes a plea to God, and he describes God in these terms... And he seeks an answer. We need some answers, don't we? we? We need to know what we should do individually, do we not? So this is where Habakkuk is at right now. So what, what am I going to do? Let me seek God and find out what he's doing. What I want to talk to you in part about today is a personal vision. Personal vision for each and every one of you. You mean God has a vision for you? Of course he does. You mean God has a mission for you? Sure he does. But we kind of sit around and just are waiting on God rather than taking action to find out what God has and how to receive it. So here's what he does. He says, I will stand on my guard post And station myself on the rampart. And I will keep watch and see what he will speak to me. And how I may reply when I am reproved. Then the Lord answered me and said, record the vision and inscribe it on tablets. That the one who reads it may run. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens towards the goal and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it. It will certainly come. It will not delay. You know, one of the things that is so difficult is God's timing and our timing. I mean, they are so terribly different that it's, uh, well, we would like to have everything, and God says soon. And soon's a very strange word, isn't it? I'll see you soon. What does that mean? I'm going to see you again, hopefully, but the point is, you don't, that's an indefinite, an indefinite time. And so we're waiting. And as we wait, things don't seem to change, but we, we hold fast. Why? Because that's the whole thing about faith. It's hanging in there, is believing God and staying with it. And then maybe sometimes it works out just the way you hoped, and then sometimes it doesn't work out the way you were believing. Because sometimes we have a different, a different perspective on things. We can't see what God sees. And then he goes on to say, Record the vision, scribe it on tablets, that the one who reads may run. For the vision is yes for the appointed time. It hastens towards the goal, and it will not fail. And though it tarries, wait for it. For it certainly will come, it will not delay. Wait for it. Wait for it and it will come. Behold as for the proud. Proud one. His soul is not right within him. But the righteous will live by faith. And there he gives us a key verse. To understand. How we go through these things. Step by step. It's by continually trusting in him. The righteous shall live. By faith. He just hold fast to God. Now. Looking at my, one of my commentaries here, and I noticed a couple of things of so looking at the scripture also, but you know what? As I said earlier, we need a vision for ourselves. You need a vision. And I want you to know that um, a vision or vision from God is your birthright as a born-again believer. In other words, God wants to speak to you And to me, God wants to lead us personally in our walk together. So what do we do? Well, let me just give you a couple of reasons why I say that. Um, John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and none will snatch them out of my hand. In Acts 2, verse 17, it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth my spirit on all, what? Mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will pour out forth my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and I will dine with him and he with me. Notice the emphasis on hearing in these verses. Listening and hearing. We're so impatient at times. You know, we want to know everything up front, but you you have to listen. And one of the hardest things in one of the the, um, disciplines of the Holy Spirit is solitude and silence. It just feels like you're not doing anything. You are just... Give me a be quiet. Sorry. No, no. Get rid of the noise. I go in the closet. And now what? Now, oh, God, can you hear me, God? You know, we, we, we got to... Instead of listening, we want to talk. At least I do. I don't know what how it works for you, but that's how it works for me. So I, I managed through that. It's not the best of the disciplines for me, spiritual disciplines for me, but it works. And I'm a bit AD on beside that. And you know what God compensates with me for that? You have to wait a month. I can wait a week, and he speaks to me. Why? Because he knows me. (laughs) And I know he wants to speak. It sounds crazy, but it really is. It's really interesting. I kind of laugh about it a little bit. So, let's take a look at what we can do then. this is a this is some stuff to take home, think about. Like Habakkuk, we can take a position before God that enables us to hear his voice. First, meet with the Lord regularly. That should be what we do. Take time with him every day, maybe in a special place of prayer, maybe just in a place at your desk, uh, wherever you work or uh, before your computer, just turn around, sit there for a while, and just just wait. You know, my wife says to me, "You know, you 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 sit around a lot doing nothing. Little less you know, I'm working. <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm I'm meditating, and uh, but I do need some." prompting at times so meet with the Lord regularly I will stand my watch that's where you're standing your watch just like Habakkuk did secondly look to God to speak to you in dreams and visions I will watch to see expect him to do that expect to hear his voice of the spirit inside of you he wants to speak to you he loves you He always has something to say. And by the way, it's not like when you're a young believer, you get online and there's a healing line and there's 15 people, 10 people in front of you and say, there'll be nothing left for me by the time I get to the end of the line. No, it's not like that with God. There's always plenty. He doesn't run out of things. It's, It's us who runs out of faith and limit God in our own thinking in some ways. Third, listen. Listen for the word of the Lord. He will say to me, is what Habakkuk says. He will say to me. And then keep a journal. Yeah, have a pencil and paper with you, and book with you. The thing God says. Write the vision. And then wait. Wait with expectations. That's what we call abiding at times. Just waiting on God with the expectation of what he will do. It's not that, okay, I said this, God, now I go my way. No, keep it before the Lord. Keep this before God. Wait for him. Know that God loves you, you, you and you, he wants to speak to you. Now, let me tell you this. I'm talking about vision and dreams. But once you have a vision, it all comes down to faith in God. It really does i always remember that one guy who I just, he had so irritated me. Uh, we had a teaching group over in Merrimack there many years ago. And this guy came in and he was with this pastor that was totally whacked out at that point. And he would come every Tuesday night or Monday night, whatever the night was we met now. And he would say to me, well, you say this, but so-and-so says that. And I would say, why don't you look at the word of God? Take what he says and take what I say. Go into your Bible and I'll tell you what, don't believe me, don't believe him, believe God's word. Just, just take it that way. But he kept coming every week, every week. He was relentless. And at that time we were ministering with Clarine's brother, Fenton, you know. And uh, Fenton uh, had a call as a prophet, an interesting guy. I love him. Think about him often. And you know, uh, finally, uh, Fenton came and says, I'm praying for him. I said, Fenton, you're wasting your time praying for him. I said, he's just an annoyance. And I I mean, I'm I'm really, uh, I wasn't particularly patient in those days. But here's what happened. Fenton went to God and said, God, I think I'm going to stop praying for, we'll call him John. And God said to Fenton, oh, I want you to pray one more time. And he did. And he turned. It was an amazing thing. But I was done with them. Thank God there was another guy there with a different gift than I had that was concerned about him. Okay. So again, let me close with these, these simple words. Once you have a vision, it all comes down to faith in God, holding fast to God, staying in the word. And here's what Habakkuk says, Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right with him, but the righteous will live by faith.